Welcome back to another episode of It Never Hurts to Ask. I'm your host, Chris Graves, and on today's episode, we're sitting down with Dimitri Diallo. Dimitri's a good friend of mine. I've known him for a little over eight years now, and the reason I wanted Dimitri on the show is uh, his experience as an immigrant in the United States. Dimitri immigrated here from Burkina Faso, a country in Western Africa, when he was just 18 on a student visa. So we sat down, talked about his experience moving here, his experience moving around the country a little bit, and what it took for him to become a naturalized U.S. citizen. I just think that with all the narrative and debate and discussion we hear about immigration, both legal and illegal these days in the media, I just wanted to sit down with somebody who's actually lived it and kind of hear their experience and, and input on it. And I think it was a really good episode. I hope you enjoy it. All right, we're back with another episode of It Never Hurts to Ask. This is your host, Chris Graves. And I'm here today with uh, my good friend, Dimitri Diallo. Yep. Dimitri's here because I've, I've known Dimitri, I've known you, what, probably six, seven, probably seven or eight years by now. Seven, eight years, yes. And you always fascinated me because I knew you immigrated from Burkina Faso. And we've talked about your story a little bit. And I just found it interesting at how you moved here and assimilated here from a country, not speaking a lick of English. And now you're you know, effectively management with a company, you're, you've assimilated your, are you an American citizen now? Yes, I am. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about what it's like to move, the steps you have to go through immigrating here, what it was like for you and just kind of your experiences. Cause I always found that fascinating and hopefully people listening are interested too. Well, uh, thank you for the opportunity for the yeah. podcast. I've been, uh, I've been really happy that you, you've been, doing that and uh, giving the, the voice to those that don't really sometimes have the voice so to express themselves so that's a good thing so um, talking about uh, me moving here to the united states i moved here in uh, 2007 uh it's been already 12 years and i came here on f1 visa and so for people who don't know which one's the f1 visa f1 visa is the international student visa okay which is drastically enforced by the the representation of the United States in each country. It's like me I had to go through some steps of process to to get that validated. I need to have like a high twenty, which is a uh, like a enrollment in a, a school that is recognized by by the federal government. And what school did you get into? Uh, Saint Cloud State University, which is in Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. Yes, very cold. Well, we're going to talk. I want to talk about <laughs> your time in Minnesota. We're going to get to that. Interesting stories. And um, so when I moved here, I moved here in the middle of winter coming from Africa. And Burkina Faso, uh, if you don't know it, it's a Western country in West Africa. It's in the middle of West Africa, just up north of Ghana. And uh, it's an inland country. We, had, we have no access to the sea. And uh, we were colonized by French. So we only speak French back home. So moving here, I didn't know any word in English. I didn't speak in English. You ask me, what's your name? I would be like, yes. <laughs> Instead of telling you my name, that's how bad it was. Yeah, now, is, is French in Burkina Faso, is that, how different is it from France French or Quebec French? Quebec French is different. 
a little bit different because it's it's a lot of English in a Quebec French yeah. compared to French French basically. So if you went to Paris, you would get along just fine. Perfectly fine. Okay, okay. Uh, I went to Mo- Montreal not couple like couple of weeks ago, uh, month 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 health go, and uh, I was lost because the Eng- the French is kind of different and it's it's funny to me when I hear it because it's it's a lot of English word in their French. Okay. Yeah. So. So you moved here. How old were you when you moved? I was, uh, if my memory is good, 26. And how old are you now? 37. Okay. So you, you, you get to Minnesota. Is that in St. Cloud, Minnesota, or is that in Minneapolis? St. Cloud, Minnesota. Okay. It's a small city now out of, uh, of Minneapolis. And what were you studying? I was studying uh, public relation, and um, I was supposed to do a master degree. In public relations? In public relations. How? Explain to me, so why... A French-speaking guy from Burkina Faso. Why did you want to go to America and learn public relations in English when you didn't speak English? Like, what was your the thought process of me moving here? First of all, it's America is the land of opportunity, uh-huh. the American dream. It's sold all over the place. Maybe people in America don't realize it, but anybody living outside of the United States doesn't matter which country you're coming from. Doesn't matter which continent, even people in Europe. I've been in Europe, and people are fascinated by this country. Fascinated that everybody wants to see it one time in their life. So you wanted to see what America was about. I wanted to see and experience it. And also it was an opportunity to learn English because English was, it's the the language that is most spoken in the world. So it would open doors that I couldn't open because I wasn't speaking English. So that kind of brings me to my first question so you get to st cloud you're in america you don't speak any english how did you learn english how long did it take you to kind of get comfortable with it and now now you've got an act you've you know you've got your accent but you there's no you communicate freely you, you it's like it's, I mean, it's literally still, it's still, language, it's, still it's still a learning process because uh, I, I talked to one of my professors i remember she told me you don't learn a language you learn how to translate faster in your head are you still I still sometimes find myself looking for words in my mouth. Yeah. But uh, uh, after years, you develop the ability of translating faster. Do you, you know? th- this is a dumb question, do you think in French? I do think I still think in French. Like the voice in your head, does it go, is, it's going in French to yourself? Like when I'm mad, I, yeah. cannot, I cannot talk in English. I'm mad. I want to express myself in French because that's... that's and so all I, the angry thoughts in your head are all French barking yes. around. Completely. Really? That's funny. I never <laughs> thought about that. So, okay. So how did you learn English and how long did it take you? I'm still learning English, to be honest. Yeah. Because I, I think it's a never ending process for somebody that grew up in Africa, that studied in Africa, because I had a bachelor degree in international relation and communication. So moving here, I had to learn. When I learned, I started learning in school. Believe it or not, the good thing about this, dating helps a lot. Dating helps? Dating helps a lot. Yeah. It does help a lot because guess what? You have to express yourself. You have to find a way to say what you want and what you expect. You, that helps a lot. So that really helps going to school. And for me coming from a major that where I have to talk a lot, I was frustrated when I moved here because I couldn't really express myself. It was really, really frustrating. Bad frustration. To the point that I'm like, I have to learn it. I have to learn it. Watching cartoons, watching documentaries, 
trying to express myself, going to school, watching videos, that helped a lot. Were you shy at first? Did you not talk as much? Or did you like I, kind of force yourself to like speak what little you could? At first I was frustrated yeah. because people would talk to me, I wouldn't understand what they were trying to say. I would fake that I understand, but I wouldn't understand nothing. So I would respond out of context with my broken English. Yeah. So it was kind of weird at first. And then uh, I started learning slowly but surely. And uh, it came with time. Yeah. It took me about really when I started being comfortable talking, it took me about two to three years at least. So you're about 30 years old when that happened? Yeah. And what year is that? 2010-ish? Uh, 2000, 2009, 2010. That's okay. when I felt really comfortable about were you ever self-conscious about having the accent or no? You're like, I can communicate at least I'm good. Well, yeah, I'm self-conscious that I have accent. I, I do know that I have an accent. And this is the good thing about America. People always try to understand you. Always. No matter how broken your English is, most people will always try with, you, with the word that you know, they will try to understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. So that's a good thing. That helps a lot because coming from a French culture, French like to mock a lot. They like to make fun of you when you don't understand stuff. Yeah. But here it's different. People are really open of trying to really understand you and ex communicate with you. Okay. So you're in college learning English. Mm -hmm. Are you taking classes in English or in French? English only. Jesus. Did you, did you end up finishing getting your degree? I didn't finish getting my degree because it was too expensive. Uh, we have to pay at least two to three times more than an now, American citizen. What were you doing in Burkina Faso that you could afford doing that here? Like, were you, were you, I don't want to say wealthy, but were you doing pretty well in Burkina Faso? Were you like middle class, upper middle class? Upper middle class, because obviously coming down here, you coming, you were able to study, finish your studies. Not everybody are able to finish their studies. We coming from a real poor country where people live down with less than a dollar a day. Yeah. So, yes, I would say upper, upper middle level like class because, I mean, I was able to finish my, my bachelor degree. Yeah. So obviously I, I'm blessed enough to be part of that class of the society. And now uh, the opportunity came. I had my best friend that was here. And uh, I came with that dream of studying and learning from the American culture. And unfortunately, I mean, reality is cut you back. The money wasn't there. So we tried. I, I had to go back to do another associate, basically. To you had to, to go back for what? To do an associate degree. Oh, uh, associate's degree? Yeah. Here? Yeah. Okay. So from Minnesota, I moved to Houston. And since I couldn't afford to go for grad school and I didn't know how to even apply for a grant or how to apply for a scholarship and most scholarships are not available for international students, which is sad because sometimes you have the knowledge, you have the, the will to study and finish your degree, but it's not available for you because you're an international student. So Dimitri, we had just gotten, you had just left from St. Paul, you get to Houston. Houston, because a wonderful good friend of mine was living here, I was like, oh, you know what? Just come visit if you like it. I mean, we have good schools here. It's affordable. And the weather is close to Africa because it's hot in Texas. Well, so let me, let me back up because that brings me back to something I wanted to get into. You're, 
African. You're from Burkina Faso. Mm-hmm. What on earth is it like living in Minnesota? Does oh, it? Do you just hate it instantly? No. Is it interesting for a little bit? Or that is super interesting for for a guy that never been in a cold weather in his life, never seen a snow in to his go life. to like the, some of the coldest on the planet. On the planet. So for me, living in the middle of December is like summer here, basically. So leaving West Africa, coming here in the middle of winter, it was terrible. Yeah. It was bad. It was, at first it was exciting because seeing snow the first time, it was, oh, wow, snow, yay. One week, two weeks, it's like still snow. So, nah, I'm tired of it. I need some sun. I need some warm and hot weather. So, Minnesota's way too cold for you. Too cold. Like, I loved it. People are amazing, but too cold. So you moved to Houston. Moved to Houston. How do you like Houston? When I came to Houston, first impression, I was like, did they send me to Mexico? Because <laughs> once I get to Houston, they start speaking in Spanish in the airport. They have both language. They have English and Spanish. Yeah. I was like, I never heard I never heard that language. What, what's going on in the airport? I'm, I'm a, am I in Mexico? And then I'm like, well, perfect weather. I got out, I'm even hot because coming from Minnesota, it's too hot. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is back home. This is my new home. And there, But there's also a big African population in Houston, isn't there? It is. In Did, the southwest Houston, yeah. that's where we are. Did you, was, is there a Burkina Faso, let me, let me back up. Is there a, I know there's an African culture, like here in Dallas, there's, Ethiopian neighborhoods there's there's those cultures in like Houston is it an African culture that you're part of or is it an actual Burkina Faso specific culture or are you guys just kind of we're Africans or Africans you're getting along with the guys from Ghana and Nigeria or is it more niche to your country we have both uh, when I say we have both we have people coming from a Spain French speaking countries like people from Ivory Coast uh, people from Cameroon that speaks French. Mm-hmm. We tend to mingle, mingle, like mingle together. So it's more the language. Language groups us together. Okay, but that makes it's, sense. It's really like if you, when you go in Southwest Houston, it's really international. Like it's you have everybody. You have Nigerian, Ghanaian. You have Burkina people from Burkina Faso. People from Ivory Coast. Everybody. Most people are in in the Southwest Houston. Do you like so? So you moved to Houston. Did you move, so you moved to be with a friend? What did you do for work? Because I know what you do, and you don't work in PR. So, so what did you do for work in Houston? I couldn't work. Really? Because legally, as an international student, you're not allowed to work besides working on campus. So you had campus jobs? I started having campus jobs, but you're only allowed to work 20 hours a day, like a week. So how are you paying for your living expenses? Family from back home. Really? Wow. Yeah. So for at some point, they will tell you, like, we cannot sustain that. It's, we can't. It's, it's hard. At first, they will try to support you. And uh, I mean, it's hard. Like, the, it's demanding for international students. Just, it's even ridiculous because that's one of the fights that I had in Minnesota with, uh, with the head of my, my department. Because we're sep- we were separated from the rest of the, the university. And most ESL, like ESL, English as a second language, Departments are always a part of the university. How do you want us to assimilate if we are apart? How do you want us to be part of the university? How do you want us to get 
along with merge with the people learn about the culture if we like most people that goes to ESL are Chinese people from Saudi Arabia people from non-speaking English countries and you put us all together how do you want us to find a way to learn the language if we only only us together and you only you don't even barely because over there they don't even allow us to work even the 20 hours because when you come for international student and you in ESL you're not allowed to work on campus so I had to fight for that and it was it was frustrating because I wanted to learn from the American culture but I was not even allowed to participate to in participate it. in that so moving here it was a little bit different because I had some college degree approved by the Department of uh, ESL. So they allowed me to work. So I was working in a daycare, taking care of kids in the daycare. And I was at least working my 20 hours a week. But it wasn't, it's still not enough for you to, to sustain a lifestyle over here. Yeah. So you finish, you get your associate's degree, mm-hmm. right? What do you do for work? Then, okay, so before we get to your work, so you get your degree, how long do you have to get a work visa once you've gotten your degree? Once you get the degree, you they give you a work visa for a year. You have one year to, like basically they give you one year, one break, one year break basically for you to, to do like an internship. On a work visa or it's still part of your H1 it's education still, It's visa. still part of your F1 visa. Okay. So you get what they call a OPT. A what? A OPT. OPT? OPT. Don't ask me. I don't, I won't be Is able to Is it like the you. letters like OPT? OPT. Oh, okay, okay. I thought they it was a word. I was OPT. like, I've never heard that now word. Now the law a little bit changed because I heard that now if you have like a master's degree, you can have like three years OPT. But uh, back then it was only one year, no matter what kind of degree you had. Okay. So once you graduated for one degree, they give you an OPT for one year. And between the one year, you can you are allowed to work out of campus. You can work anywhere you want. But at the end of your one year, you're obligated to go back to the rules of the F1 visa. Okay. So you get your OPT. What do you, what work do you get into? I enroll back to, to school for a degree that I didn't need to. What, but de- I w- what degree? I just enrolled in classes because I didn't want to lose my studies. Oh, because that's that's the that's the that's the thing. As long as you enroll in school and you have your full time, because you need to enroll full time. If you enroll full time, you don't go out of your visa. Was there a time limit on that, or can you be a student you in America for a hundred years? A student in America for hundred twenty years, if you want to. As long as you're taking classes. As long as you're a full time student. But you can only work twenty hours. hours. That's it. So the thinking is, you got to be really rich to be able to do that. Period. Yeah. If you're coming to America to study, that's the word. You okay. need to be rich. So fast forward for me a little bit. So we, you, because I know you're not still in school. So you finish school. Mm-hmm. You've got a year of work, OPT, before you lose your H1. My F1. F1. I keep saying H1. F1. Mm-hmm. So what do you get into? I try to maintain my studies until I figure out a way to get money to go back to school. So I was still taking classes that are not relevant to me. Yeah. Because I didn't want to go out of studies. And then, and uh, for some reason, life leading one one thing leading to another, I decided to move to Dallas. And that's when I met my my wife. Then we got married, and I got my my uh, my residency through her because 
once you get married to American citizen, mm -hmm. you can apply for residency. So at that point, I have a family, a building a family and all of that. One thing leading to another, I couldn't sustain going back to school, going to school. So I, I wasn't able to finish school because family, I mean, it was demanding. You need to provide for your family and all of that. So you get the residency mm -hmm. through marriage. Mm -hmm. You still married to her? No. So I got a couple. How long were y'all married? We're married for about four to five years. How long do you have to be married before you get residency? And as soon as you get married, you can get your residency. But from in my case, I do you have to stay married for X amount of time? No, it doesn't matter. As soon as you're married, you, and you have to be married not for the reason of getting a residency how can they how do they check for that well you go through a process by with the interview uh, at the immigration because when you apply they get you in for interview so what's the interview like oh lord they ask you any kind of questions they can ask you do you know your wife parents do you what kind of car your wife is driving what do you what kind of they're going to ask your wife how do you met him how do you know him what do you know about him did he marry for a green card did he marry for for to fix his situation any all kind of question you can you can guess that they can ask a married couple just to prove that you didn't marry the person just to fix that situation did they ask any like offensive questions did they ask you anything you were like wait a minute come on now well in my case no because i mean it was obvious that we were a couple we didn't we didn't just do that just because of that situation so and now uh, i i didn't face that kind of issue but i know people that that have dealt <clears throat> with questions like that are really embarrassing like, like do what? you have has do you guys have sex how many times you have sex in a week stuff stuff like that really yeah but they didn't ask you guys anything no okay but you have friends that they've asked those kind of personal questions. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So it's a it's a hard it's a hard process. So, but so once you get your residency approved, mm -hmm. you could divorce the next day and you're good. Not that I know that's not what you guys did, but I'm just asking like what the restrictions like are. Like any other relationship, if it doesn't work, what right. are you gonna do? You're gonna divorce. Yeah. But as long as your relationship works, you're still together. You can try to work it out, but if the relationship is not working and the next day is the happen that is going to be the next day of the interview the thing is if you you do your interview you have to wait for a little time before you get your green card right so but when, if, so once you get the green card if you guys get divorced they don't take your green card away they don't take your green card away but they give you a temporary green card for two years okay so after two years that's when you can apply again for a residency a permanent residency so okay. it's a temporary residency and permanent residency of 10 years Okay. So the two first two years is basically a trial case. Make sure so, you don't break laws. Yeah, that you don't pay make taxes. sure you don't exactly. And you, this is not a fake marriage because it's hard to fake two years of marriage, yeah. literally. So. Well, what happens if you divorce during that two years? Well, that's that's another can of worm. I don't know. So you got, but so you get through your two years of green card. Then you apply for your permanent residency. Yes. And then how long a permanent residency before you can become a citizen? So once you, you apply for a permanent residency, you, they give you a permanent residency for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Once you get your 10 years, then you can, after three years of green card, after three years of green card, basically the two years of temporary residency plus one year of permanent residency, if you are still married, you can apply for your, for your green card. Basically, literally, if you get married today, 
and in the same month you apply literally three years later if you're still married you then can you apply residency. for a citizen you can apply for a citizenship. citizenship yes so you uh, you are just to clarify you are a u.s citizen you're not a resident no i'm a u.s citizen now you got a passport and everything yeah i'm okay. like you yeah you are <laughs> was that was that really exciting for you was it really happy or were you just kind of like it's just another process and i finished the process it was really exciting it was still to like special honest, for you it was special because to be part of this country and you know you're part of it and you have a, a word you have a say so it's amazing because you feel like you're part of it you you're paying taxes yeah this is now your new home this is for you so that brings me to something i wanted to you and i have talked about but i want to talk about on the podcast is you talk about you feeling a part of america mm -hmm. you feeling like you're a part of the club that you're a citizen that you're uh paying taxes you're you get to vote you get to have a say so mm -hmm. what i, I want to talk to you some about i you're an optimistic upbeat guy but i know that there's been guys who've been there have been people who've been jerks to you in this process dimitri's opening up a bottle as loud as he possibly can but did you experience racism or bigotry or people making fun of your accent like what what is what is it like being an immigrant trying to fit in here that's an interesting subject because it's a lot that can be said about this subject like i said um coming from another country first of all in minnesota sometimes it's frustrating not to be able to express yourself the way you want to express yourself because you feel like you're always trying to kind of find a word the right words to say things you did you say. ever just kind of lose it and express yourself in french anyway Oh, I do it all the time. Oh, motherfucker. Ah, damn it. And you're just screaming at French man. and people just have no idea. Yeah, oh, it happens all the time. Yeah. It happens, all, especially when I lose temper and all Does of that. Does it still happen? Oh, yeah. To this day, it still happens. And you do it in French and you're just cursing. And I'm story. like, oh, yeah, he doesn't speak French. What's your favorite curse word in French? Putain. What's that mean? Shit. I thought mierd was shit. Mer too. Oh, they just got a <laughs> bunch of words for shit. Yeah. That's the, so those are the two or say, say the first one. Putain. Putain. That means like a uh, prostitute or something like that. Oh. And that means shit too. Oh, so if you're angry, you just are like, ah, oh, prostitute. And you just say it real <laughs> loud. Is that basically what it means? Sort of kind of. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I, uh, what it just, I, I spoke French. I took French when I was in middle school and high school. Does feed a poot, does that mean son of a bitch? Fils de pute. Fils de pute. Fils de pute. Is that an actual saying or is that just a literal translation? It doesn't. It's a literal translation. Does it mean son the same? Of, son of prostitute. Is it an insult there too? Oh, it's a bad insult. Okay. It's a really big yeah, insult. Yeah, I lost a job for it once. Oh, yeah, it's a bad insult. Seriously, it's a, you get in trouble for that. Yeah. yeah. I was working at an ice hockey rink and these people that speak French walk by and it was one of the only things I knew. So I turned to a friend and said it and they heard it. And they went right to my boss and like, <laughs> yeah, he said horrible things about us and I got fired that day. Oh man, it's bad. I wasn't saying it about them. I was just saying, hey, you guys want to know my French. They didn't. They well, you gotta find better ones, man. Yeah, I did. That's all I had. <laughs> so, so I got us off track. So you're in, you're in uh, St. Paul. And so you've also, you've lived up north and St. Paul's a pretty white place isn't mm -hmm. it and then you moved to houston a lot more diverse i lived in dc for about uh they for have a huge african population don't they in dc yeah they do 
Yeah. I lived in DC for about six months. When you were well. living in these places, were you living kind of in the African community? Oh yeah, because at that point I wasn't speaking English. I need I need people like me yeah. to find my ways. So uh, yeah, the only way I could live in those pe- places, I need people like me to just. So what's the reaction to you like in Minnesota, in DC, in Houston? Is one city was one city harder to get? Were people shittier to you in one city? I want you to sh- I want you to crap on a town, and I want to know which one was oh, not nice to man. you. Oh man, it's kind of hard to crap in a town. Uh, you deal with situation when you come here. You don't really coming from Africa. You don't know racism, obviously, because everybody is black in Africa. Yeah. So you don't know what is racism. You heard about it, but you don't really deal with it. So you d- at first you would deal with racism without even knowing it's racism. Yeah. Like I walk in the street and white couple we see me coming and they will cross the street and go on the other side and you i don't i don't know why they did that because i, I never faced racism yeah where i'm coming from everybody's black so i was like well maybe they decided to cross the street that's it <laughs> that's so like <laughs> it's so cute almost <laughs> you're like oh well i guess i don't well, yeah. know yeah i don't know yeah when well, how long did it take you for, for you to notice those things and to kind of realize oh that's what racism is here how long did it take you to kind of pick up on what it what it actually is watching the news yeah teaching you about racism because you see stuff that you cannot you couldn't imagine that this really happens in america yeah you cannot believe that this this is still real mm-hmm. you see stuff on the news that i was like damn this is but you hear all these bad things and like you're coming from a place where you don't really have racism to america but you are still probably one of the biggest america cheerleaders that i know so what's it like you see all these bad things that you don't have back home in Burkina Faso? Does that make you're excited to be an American, you wanted to be here. Does it ever kind of like tarnish it a little bit? No, you brain you. When you brain you, you you don't you maybe think it's the place where you are that is the wrong place. You don't realize that maybe it's it's everywhere. You because the, you hoping and you expecting you think maybe the experience will be different in DC than it is in Houston than it is in California. Is you, it different or is it the same everywhere? Well, it's systemic. Yeah, I would say it's systemic because now living here for that many years, you can see the trend in everywhere in yeah. every every state that you go. You see the trend of why this country is the way it is. And learning about the story and learning about basically knowing a little bit more about America because what you know from America when you're outside of America is not the same when you live here and you learn from the people that live here. Yeah. From every com- community, like white, black, Hispanic, you learn from them as well. So what you learn being outside of America is what the media is showing you, the movies are showing you. That It's what basically... A standard view of America. It's yeah. the greatest country in the world. It's everything is beautiful. So they don't talk about the racism and all the bad stuff as much. Not that much. Yeah. Not that much because I think things are filtered. Things are not accessible now. Maybe because of social media, things are different because everybody can post anything they want from any part of the world. So yeah, now people are able to get access and real time information from anybody from the world. Is there a city that's been more welcoming that you that you felt you got along in better? Or was it not really the city? It was just 
I've learned enough English, I've learned enough American culture that I can fit in? Or what is there a city that you Obviously, I live in Dallas. Right. So, from my personal experience, I love Dallas because it's diverse and integrated. When I say integrated, it's like in Houston, it's really segregated, in my opinion. I can be wrong, but I feel like we live in communities. When I say we live in communities, in Houston, for instance, you're going to see some apartment where most of the most of the people that live in the apartment are Africans. You're going to see another apartment across the street. Most of the people that live in the apartment are Hispanic. You're going to see another apartment. Most of the people that live there are African-Americans. Moving here in Dallas, it was a little bit different. I've seen people are really integrated compared to what I used to be, where I used to live in Houston. If you could live anywhere in this country, like have you? I assume you've traveled a little bit. I travel in the East Coast, in the South. Not really to California yet. I've never been west yet. Do you have an idea? So you've you've traveled a little bit, but you also kind of have your ideas of what America's like. If you couldn't live in Dallas, where would you want to live? In Dallas. If you couldn't live here, where would you want to move? It's gonna be biased because I didn't stay that long in DC, but I loved Maryland. Really? I loved Maryland. The weather was beautiful. Summertime is beautiful. I never, I didn't live there in the winter time, so I wouldn't be able to say. But I love the summertime. It's in Maryland, Greenbelt, Maryland. Interesting. Very beautiful place. What's life like? What was? I mean, you you lived there till you were like twenty six in Burkina Faso. What's Burkina Faso like? Beautiful. Beautiful country. Why'd you want to leave? Just. You felt America was better? You coming to learn, you coming to diff- have a different experience about life. You thought about opportunities. Literally, people in Africa, let me tell you, it's going to shock you. Most people in Africa, we think that you can find money on the street in America. Really? Yes, literally. When you Basically, they think that when you make it to America, you made it in life. Literally. But it's different. This is not a real story. You, you struggled in America. I did struggle in America. Was is struggling in how does struggling in America compare to upper middle class your life in Burkina Faso? You have a better quality life. Even struggling in America, it's better. No. Oh, okay. I I hear. Okay. No. I got you backwards. No. Struggling in America is tough because you're not integrated. You barely catching up on bills. It's tough, but the social organization in Africa is made in a way that you have family. This is, this is where you belong to. So you have a society that is organizing a way for you to get back on your feet. And if you really want to make it, you'll make it. In Africa. In Africa. But it's hard because of corruption, because of government, uh, because of all the kind of issues that we're dealing with in Africa that, guess what? America is sort of kind of part of. Because in, trust me, if we had the condition we need in our countries, nobody would come to America. Yeah. Everybody want to be with who they belong to. I would love to be with, with my family. If the condition was made for me to be with my family, if I had the good schools in my country, if the government was just like it is here, with check and balances, I wouldn't want to be here. But who is stealing our resources? These Western countries. Who are the Western countries? Europe and America. So they have the power to make our life better. They want to stop immigration, make our life better in Africa. Yeah. Let us live our life. Let us 
be who we are we we want to be because nobody has the has the like the model of being poor people live with less than a dollar in the world and with social media it's gonna, only gonna get worse immigration issue is just starting i'm telling you that right now because my brother my cousins that are in the village in somewhere in africa they can see me living here i'm snapping i'm posting pictures they what can do see you your nice house, your cars. Yeah. What do you think they want? They all want to be, they all want that. So all your friends in, in Burkina Faso, they see you online on social media, the life you're living, and they think you're just the richest, they biggest. They do think, because that's what social media is about. You're portraying a life that you don't have. Yeah. But they want that. Yeah. Who doesn't want it? Do you feel rich compared to what you had in Burkina Faso? No. No. I give the appearance of being rich, yeah. but I don't feel rich. Rich, rich it's, uh, it takes more than just materialist, yeah. material to be rich. It takes way more than that. I'm poor for my family because if, I don't have them. If somebody told you mm -hmm. before you left for America, Dimitri, by the time you're 37, you're going to have two cars parked out front. You're going to have a big you know, three-bedroom house. You're going to have all these things. You have a big flat-screen TV on the wall. Would you have felt like, oh my gosh, that's the dream? Like I'm, I've made it. I've, I've. No. No. What were your dreams when you moved here? Like, what did finishing school mm -hmm. and going back to Africa? Do you still want to go back to Africa? Whenever I get the opportunity, I will go back to Africa. What would it take for you to go back? Like to move back, not just to visit, but to move back, I will need to be able to sustain my lifestyle yeah. because guess what living 10 years here you're learning from the american way yeah. you have an american lifestyle would you want that american lifestyle in burkina faso not to that level but to some extent yeah it's not it cannot be as as it is here but guess what everybody wants to be comfortable i want to be able to go to walmart at 2 a.m in the morning yeah i do want to it's not there because guess what there's no opportunities it's corruption we have the resources. We have, we're not stupid. Obviously, you know we're not stupid. Yeah. So why are we not developed? We have the resources, the human resources, we have it. We have people that are smart. Why are we not developed? After 50, 50, 60 years of independence that we got from the colonizer, why are we not developed? So America needs to ask them themselves the question. If you want to stop immigration, <clears throat> Stop exploiting other people in poor countries because we're not born to be poor. We have everything, most of the resources coming from us. Yeah. I want to talk about Africa a little bit. Yeah. Because I, I know a little bit about Europe. I know a little bit more about Canada. I know a pretty good amount about America. I don't really know shit about Africa. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, so first up, so Burkina Faso... It's an inland country. You got no oceans. Do you you border Ghana? Like Ghana is south of you. Ghana is south of us. Okay. Do what are the the regional rivalries? The the un the unrest. Is it tribal more than country? Oh no, it's it's not tribal because if you know a little bit about the story of Africa. The borders that we have was put by the colonizer without knowing the tribes that we have. Right. So you have at the border of Ghana, 
you have tribes that live across both borders. Mm-hmm. You have families that live across both borders. Yeah. So you're gonna have a family that is divided by the lane, by just a fake lane, because the, literally those lane doesn't really exist in reality. Yeah. The borders that we have, we have one post with customs. That's where the the lane is. But anything in the, in like in the Bruce or in the jungle doesn't exist. So you have family living across both borders. And you just walk back and forth. They just like walk back, back for like nothing happened. Yeah. Because there is no wall like in the southern border of the United States with Mexico. There is nothing like that. Right. People leave across borders with like nothing exists. So I'm I'm from Ghana. I'm from Burkina Faso. It's not like it's not a rivalry. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. That's why borders in Africa is ridiculous. They're here. But it, in in fact, for people that live daily in those borders, it doesn't make any but sense. But does that not create conflict for tribe A and tribe B? who used to have their own separate lands and then the French or the British came in and said, okay, now you're both Nigerians. Did they not keep fighting with each other in Nigeria and want to be in control? Because of the organization, look, I'm taking my example. I'm yeah. Fulani. As a Fula- I'm a Fulani. My tribe say it's it Fulani. F- Fulani. Okay. As a Fulani, we, we nomads. We go with the, with the, with the cows, whatever. You're like herders. Exactly, we yeah. herders. Basically, you see, I'm still learning English. <laughs> I got you. And with my last name, you're gonna see people that lives in five, six, seven countries with the same last name as mine. Yeah, it's one big family with the same tribe. What countries? Mali, Ivory Coast, Niger, Guinea, Burkina Faso. We all over there. Like if you see my last name Diallo, you're gonna see a lot of people from even from Senegal with the same last name. It's one huge family that just spread out in West Africa. Yeah. So we just have borders that in reality just divided us. So you don't care like Ivory Coast, Cameroon, it's all the same to you. It should be. Yeah. That's the way it should be. They put that in, in our mind to divide us. But in reality, we're the same whole family. So what causes the conflict over there? Is the conflict family and tribal or is it? It's no conflict. No? It's no conflict. Well, then how come like Liberia has all that civil unrest? Liberia, it's a big story because slaves... Have you, let me start. Have you been to Liberia? I've never been to Liberia. But from what I know, slaves that was freed in America was brought back to right. Liberia. Yeah. Which created conflict because when they came, they find people that were still living there. And they kind of took over because they had education. They think they were better than other, mm. than the tribe that was living there. So it created a big issue. That's why they had the civil war for years. And guess what? Who was selling? There is no f- manufacturer of guns in Africa. There is not even one. Not that I know of. Who sells the guns? So the Russians people? and the Americans are all pumping who, guns in? Who sells the guns? That's what the question we should ask. Who sells the guns to us? Yeah. Do you... I want to... I'm jumping all around because I got all sorts of weird questions for you. But you were talking about thinking better than, and we, we haven't really gotten into race too much, but you, you said at first you didn't know really what racism was when you got here, then you kind of started to learn. What's, you and I talked about this years ago, who, what's the worst racism you've, you experience here, or you have experienced? I've experienced both ways, from African-Americans, from white people. And what is amazing to me sometimes, 
I know you're white. We get along. Yeah. We, we never dealt with any issue like that. No. But I think it's in the DNA of America. When I say it's in the DNA. Racism is in the DNA. Racism is in the DNA of Africa. Some people are so racist, they don't even realize they're racist. So it's so unconscious of them to know that they're racist. They don't realize. They don't even realize that. I heard jokes. I heard stories. I heard people from people of colors about African-Americans. And it's offensive. So that means in reality, people do things. They don't even realize it's racist. That's what is sad. Because there is a French, uh, I don't know if you know Voltaire. I know of him. What about Socrates? Socrates? Socrates. A little bit more. Socrates said about knowledge. When you know that you don't know, you're on a path of wisdom. Yeah. But when you, you don't even know that you don't know, you stay stupid. Yeah. That's why we had in America. People don't know that they don't know. That's also, there's something also it's called, you should read up on it. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a psychological habit of people to overestimate what they know and they don't know, mm -hmm. but it's also things they do know or are experts in, they discount their knowledge or they think they're, everybody should know what they know. So when you know something and you know it more than most people, you discount that and you don't think you know that much. But then there's stuff you, you're ignorant to, but you think, oh, I, I understand it. Exactly. I know it better than most people. Exactly. It's the inability to know what that you, you do and don't know. Exactly. Basically, that's what it is. That's what it comes down to. People don't even realize that some of the action or some of the thought process could be offensive to people of color. What's racism like from... I want to get into what you, the racism you experience from white people and the racism you experience from African American. You told me once the worst Af the worst racism you experienced was from other black people was from African Americans. When I say it's to me now, when when I talk to you, yeah. I didn't know much. Okay. Now I learned a lot. Yeah. It's systemic. It's a way to put us against each other. So it's really the same racism, just exhibited different ways. Exactly. With African-Americans, they're ignorant about Africa, you know? Yeah. So they think it, there is a sort of kind of rivalry between, each, between them and us when we're the same. Yeah. It shouldn't be an issue. I believe that African-Americans, before they're African-Americans, they're African. They want it or they don't want it, they're Africans. And until they embrace who they are, we're always going to have an issue. I, seen, I had that conversation just today. Irish people celebrate St. Patrick's Day. I've met people that celebrate St. Patrick's Day that have never been to Ireland. That don't even know anything about Ireland. But they're proud of telling their grandparents, their grand-grand-grandparents were Irish. But it's so far out that you should claim that you're American more than you are an, an Irish. Yeah. But they still claim that they're Irish. We've seen, I've seen people that we work in the same place, October 1st. They yeah. celebrate Oktoberfest, which is a Dutch celebration. German. German. Which they celebrate almost every year. And I've seen people that embrace the culture of being Germans, even though they've they, they never even been in Germany, right? Jewish is the same. Indians are the same. Why us, African-American, we cannot embrace who we are? Why are we ashamed of coming to 
from Africa. Africa is a land, it's different than any other continent, but this is where they're coming from. Do you think some of it is because of slavery, the ignorance? Like you, you know, I came from Burkina Faso. I came to America. Mm -hmm. But, you know, somebody who was a slave five generations removed, they don't know, did I come from Burkina Faso? Did I come from Nigeria? No, I just came from Africa. Like, do you think not knowing plays a part in that? Yes. Not knowing plays a lot of part in it. And the system is made in a way that they, they lost track. Right. There is no record of it. It's kind of sad. Well, and the fact that half of those countries weren't even countries when, or no. most of them weren't countries no. when they were plucked That's out. That's why in, in Africa, if we all decide that we're all going to unite the continent, it's going to help a lot. It's going it's to it's change the, the narrative of, of African-Americans because they can belong to a country, which is Africa. It yeah. doesn't matter which country you're coming from. You're African, period. So is that, that's something you would like to see as just one Africa? Oh, Lord, man. That's the dream of most Africans that live the same way the United States is united. We dream of seeing our continent united. Being so kind of like the country. United States of Africa? That would be the greatest. So Burkina Faso is its own state. Ghana is its own. That's it. That's it. We have, we have everything we need. Oh, yeah. We just don't have the <clears throat> economic power, maybe. And the political power to decide what we want, but this 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 will be the perfect scenario. Yeah. And trust me, nobody will come to America. Nobody. What about Disney World? You come to visit, right? Well, we we will have Madagascar back there. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so you still kind of think about going back. It seems like you got a real, I mean, even by non-immigrant, that's going to, this is going to sound shitty, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Even by a non-immigrant standard, I think you're living a pretty decent life here. Materialistically, yes. But, but the family more, and everything else family, is what's... The family, the environment. I'm integrated. Yeah. I believe that I'm integrated to a certain extent. But... It's there's a there's a proverb that says no matter how long the piece of wood that stays in the water, it never become a crocodile. Yeah. Never. You can a wood in the water will never become an alligator or a crocodile. As it's it's not it's not in my DNA basically. Mm -hmm. I'm African, but I'm proud to be American. I'm part of this. I I want to be part of this. Do you have dual citizenship? I do. America, this is tricky. America doesn't recognize dual citizenship but, because you're only known as American. But Burkina Faso Burkina Faso recognized dual citizenship. So you, so you so still got the two passports. I still got the two passports. So to Burkina Faso, you're a dual citizen. Yes. To America, you're just a citizen. American, yes. That's, that's it. That's interesting. If... Was it always... So... Living in Burkina Faso, did you not have... Were there dreams and and urban myths and, and legend about Canada and England and Germany, or was it just America? You heard of Canada, but Canada is not that well known. Now, like I said again, social media. Social media is going to shape the world. Yeah. Zuckerberg created a monster that he doesn't even realize. It's shaping the world because people are aware of, like people live in Bangkok. People, I heard of places that I never heard of in my life. 
through social media. So people are no, have more information about other places in the world. That's why you see immigrants going to Canada. You see immigrants going to Asia, all over the place. Because like I said again, as long as the world, the, the richest of the <coughs> world is going to part of a certain numbers of percentage of people in the world, you're always going to have to deal with immigration. This it's no, no way to stop that. Do you, as an, as a U.S. citizen now, are you able to sponsor or help your family immigrate here? Cause you hear that a lot on like Fox news and everything chain migration. Once we let one immigrant become a citizen, they'll bring their whole family over. How hard is it for you to bring your family to America? I can if I want to, but I, they don't want to. Like my mom, yeah. I can, because I'm a U.S. citizen, I can I can give sponsorize my mom to come over here. She's not interested of coming here. She's really? coming to visit. She doesn't want to leave here. How come? That's not her lifestyle. She's 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 seventy years old. What would she come here for? Yeah. All her friends are back in Africa. She would, when she comes here, she get bored. She hates the lifestyle. She really? doesn't like it. My mom comes here for after a month. She's ready to go. Yeah. Because that's no. She doesn't belong here. You go to where you belong to. Do you? Does the lifestyle here bother you? Do you miss it back <sighs> home? Like the, not I, excluding just the family and the friends. Does the lifestyle? Does the life you lived in Burkina Faso still call to you? I'm gonna tell you something that you you're gonna think it's um it's it's funny. Okay. I never experienced stress until I moved here. Yeah. It's so laid back. It's sad too because it's because there is no much to do. So in we Burkina don't, Faso. We are not stressed. We are not. We don't know. I didn't. I couldn't say when I was back home that I was, I'm stressed because. But even though when I was back home I had like two three jobs, but I wasn't stressed because I had the freedom. Of moving around i wasn't i was laid back but there is a certain level of expectation here that you you need to sustain a certain lifestyle you need to work certain numbers of hours in a week to maintain the lifestyle that you have that sometimes you get tired you get burned out mm -hmm. people don't get burned out in africa no, when you don't want to work you stop working you you will never go a day without eating because you have family if you don't cook at your house you go to your brother's house his wife or the family is going to cook there. You can eat there. The day your brother is tired of eating his wife's food or he doesn't cook in his house because he's tired, they come and they eat at your place without being even invited. That's the <laughs> way it is. And it's normal. Yeah. And that's super foreign to me because I'm not like that with my family. No. Here you need to be announced because you, before you come. Back home, you don't announce yourself. You just show up. Yeah. You just show up to, because that's how friendly people are. You my brother. If I call you my brother, I can show up at your place at any time. If you're not home, you're not home. If you're home, we chill and relax. Yeah. Do you? And you're saying just in America that vibe can't work. It doesn't work. That what? That that arrangement doesn't work here. Can I show up at your at your place without telling you? I mean, you have sometimes. <laughs> you, Chris. Grace, I'm coming to town. I'm going to eat But do you cat. have time to see me? But you you yeah. see how many times we've been able to hook up and just hang out? It's hard. Yeah. Because you, you Do you have think things. America's too busy? We're too busy. Yeah. We're too busy taking care of ourselves. If we were taking care of each other, I think things would be different. 
we're too busy taking care of ourselves. We think only about ourselves. Yeah. And I think if we start thinking about each other a little bit more, things can be different. Here, I cut, I cut, when I cut my yard, I cut my, my neighbor yard without him even asking me. I think it's normal. I feel bad cutting just my half of the yard and yeah. not cutting his yard. That's and now that he started he start me seeing doing it, he started doing the same thing like me. It's that simple. It shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. You would take care of each other, things just roll back. It just rolled back. That's interesting. I'm glad I don't have to cut anybody's yard. <laughs> I wouldn't really wouldn't care for it. I wanted to ask you, so we're coming up on an hour. Um, I wanted to ask you as an outsider moving here, getting used to it. I, what did you, first off, when you were in Burkina Faso, did you know who Donald Trump was? Had you ever heard of him? No. Okay. No, never. What did you think, when was the first election you could vote? Did you get to vote for Obama? No. So it was that Donald Trump that was that Donald your first? Donald Trump was my first election. How did that feel? <sighs> you like, you finally get to vote, you go vote, and Donald Jeez. Trump gets elected. That was brutal. Yeah. Seriously, it was brutal. Uh, I'm a conservator. I feel like I have both sides in hand because I'm a Christian. Yeah. So I approve some of the message from the Republican. I approve some of the message from the Democratic Party. But between two worlds, I, w I, w I went for Hillary because that was the less worst to me. Mm -hmm. And now watching the news, seeing that Donald Trump was winning was shocking because I think America was better than that. Yeah. I believe that America was better than that. And uh, I was a little bit shocked but not surprised because of that systemic racism you talked about yeah yeah i think people just got tired of the rhetoric of some of the democratic party situation and i think like you said systematic system the system was made in a way that people some people were shocked that obama was president for two terms and they got tired of it this negro got two terms <laughs> So we need to just go hard on this. And they went out and they vote. We didn't vote. Yeah. We think it was would have been because nobody was expecting Trump to win, but they went out and vote for Trump. Trump won because the people didn't go out to vote. That's the main reason why. Has the Trump administration, I, I know they've had some of their travel ban stuff. Has it really affected you and your family's travel to and from Burkina Faso as much or not really because y'all aren't a Muslim country? We had rumors that at some point our country was targeted to be banned, yeah. but it never happened because we're dealing with the situation. Since Libya got messed up, yeah. all the Western African countries are dealing with terrorism because mm -hmm. of the Libyan situation. And all of that, we, I lived in Burkina Faso all my life. We never heard of any religious issue, racial issue. But since everything blew up in Libya, we start seeing more guns. We start seeing terrorism. First time I heard of terrorism, I was back home. After one week, I moved. I came here. Uh, I was in vacation back home. And I, I, after one week, I left to visit, to come back uh, to the United States. It was a terrorist attack. That was the first time ever we learned that terrorist attacks in Burkina Faso. What, would, what do we have? We're poor. 
People don't have even enough money to feed themselves. Do you think they think about killing each other? So all of this started because the United States and French decided to deal with the issue that they're not supposed to deal with, which was Libya. So it's kind of political. The issue is really political because we're dealing with the issues right now because we have no way to do it. But it's unsafe to be home. Yeah. For me, it's unsafe to be home because I'm American now. I don't feel safe when I go home because I'm American. I'm assimilated to being an American. And people can tell that I don't leave how, here. How can they tell? I don't know how they do it, but because of the way I hold myself, I don't know, but they can tell. Has your French changed at all or no, that's not it? Yes, my French changed a lot. Really? How so? I, I, I speak broken French now. Oh. So when I speak, like my, some of my friends mix, because I, I, I'm, I'm, I was very, very one of really good in French back home. I was writing poems and all of that. Yeah. But when I go home now and I speak, they make fun of me. They was like, damn, that doesn't make sense, bro. I was like, like I, I will say stuff like, I will let you know. I will let you know in French. It's completely, it's, you use a completely different sentence. Yeah. And when I say it, I say it in, I basically translate English to French. Yeah. And they make fun of me all the time. But when I speak, they know I'm not, I'm, I don't belong to here anymore. Okay. So basically, I'm a stranger in my country and I'm still a stranger in America. Do you ever regret coming here? No, I have no regrets. No. No. That's good. I, I no wouldn't regrets. know you if you didn't come here. Huh? I, we wouldn't be friends if you didn't. Man, I'm happy I met you, man. You're a yeah. good guy. Thank you're, you. You're a great guy, man. I, I need to cut your beard, though. No, it's never going <laughs> to happen. Well, Dimitri, um, this has been awesome. We've kind of covered everything I'd hope we'd talk about. Is there anything you want people to know about immigration or, or Africa that we haven't discussed? Well, it's always a lot to say. And uh, I always want to thank you for the opportunity to be, yeah, to have this microphone in front of me yeah. and, uh, and say stuff that I want to say. Only thing that I want to say is to my community, to my African-American brothers, please, whenever you get a chance, visit Africa. That's home. We would love to have you home. If you know African, he will welcome you in their house. Anybody that wants to come to Africa, if they don't, you can give them my contact if they want to. I will be happy to welcome them. My family will be happy to welcome them. They can visit it anytime. We'll be happy to show them the continent, the way they're supposed to see it. Okay. You, they should see it. They should see it at least one time in their life. To right? anybody listening, I'll make sure to put some of Dimitri's contact info in the notes for this podcast and he'll yeah, he'll steer definitely. you in the right direction. Yeah. So this has been another episode of It Never Hurts to Ask. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Graves. This has been Dimitri Diallo. Um, if you want to find the podcast on Instagram, it's It Never Hurts to Ask. On uh I just completely lost my train of thought. If you want to email me any questions, feedback, uh, interview, or guest suggestions, my email is it never hurts to ask pod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter where I will eventually start updating that platform at podcast Chris. And uh, Dimitri, thanks for sitting down. This has been hey, a fun one. It was my pleasure, bro. You take care, man. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Bye.